I'm Josie. Hi, I'm Yasmin. Hi, I'm Alicia Pascual Peña, and this is Dare We Say. The Venice Film Festival is literally my Hunger Games. It is my Super Bowl. And I mean that not because I love films, but because I love people who are fighting. And, but not just like fighting, fighting. It's like the subliminal fighting. It's the awkwardness. It's the weirdness. It's the fact that every single one of the cast members of Don't Worry Darling have beef with each other. And the energy is palpable. It's literally, I've never paid such close attention to the news since January 6th. Like, I have been constantly, like, on my phone. Like, did Florence enter yet? Did Miss Flo enter yet? And also, I just have to say, I was stalking everyone's stylist. Because usually they are the ones who are, like, posting shit. Florence Pugh's stylist posted a photo of Florence. And the caption was, Miss Flo? And if you don't know what that's from, that's when Olivia Wilde, it came out how she there was a video of her leaked that she sent to Shia LaBeouf referencing Florence Pugh as Miss Flo in like a very, like there's shade there. Condescending way. Condescending. Okay, yeah. Didn't she say like, if Miss Flo can get it together, decide to work with you? Wait, what's happening at this film festival? I'll be honest. I don't know what's happening at the film festival at all. So I knew what was happening prior. mm -hmm. I saw the leaked video. I read the Shia letter. I'm caught up there. They're premiering Don't Worry Darling, which is Olivia Wilde's movie with... Her lover, Harry, Harry Styles. And they weren't dating prior, which I didn't Correct. know. Correct. She was married to Jason Sudeikis still, right, right. Josie? Um, no, she wasn't. Okay, my fact checker. But they just weren't dating at that point. Correct. Okay. They, they weren't dating. They started dating during the movie. Basically, Shia LaBeouf was originally cast in the role. He walked out, left the role. Olivia Wilde said that he fi- she fired him. He has proof and receipts that she didn't fire him, that he quit. Flash forward to... We have this movie premiering at Venice Film Festival. Olivia Wilde has said, out um, spokenly, has said that her and Florence Pugh have no drama, although Florence Pugh has not promoted the film at all. She's not done any press for nope. it. She's not mentioned it except for going to this premiere. And at the premiere... She usually does. At the premiere, yep. the seating chart for this premiere, which makes it even more chaotic, is we all expected Florence Pugh to not interact with Olivia Wilde at this premiere. We expected that because we heard rumors of the drama. We also expected Florence Pugh to possibly not interact with Harry and Florence not to interact with Olivia. But what we did not expect was Harry and Olivia to not acknowledge each other at all. They didn't acknowledge each other once on the carpet. They didn't even sit next to each other at the premiere. And in fact, the seating chart, the oh, standing chart- Oh, it was so hard to look at. The standing order on the carpet and the seating chart at the premiere, they um, reflected the same pattern. The carpet was Olivia Wilde, an actress. I'm probably going to get roasted for not knowing her name. And then Harry Styles. And then next to Harry Styles was, who was it? Gemma Chan. Maybe. Anyway, and then it was like um, Chris Pine and then Nick Kroll and then Florence Pugh or something. But like none of them were sitting next to each other. Like Olivia did not sit next to Harry. At this premiere at all. So there is beef between every single one of these people. And the most insane. I feel like I'm at a rap cypher. It's insane. No, it's The most explosive part of this whole thing came out of a meme going around where people are speculating that Harry Styles spit in Chris Pine's lap. Which I don't think happened. Wait, I'm what? Sorry. Wait, no, wait, but, but, what? But, but I just want also want to take a backtrack at that during the press conference, Chris Pine, the whole time, he's like this. Oh my God, Harry was like... What I love most oh, well, about the movie. movie. Like, yeah, what I love really most about, about the movie, movie is that you it, it's actually like, it's so like you were in a movie. Like it, it's a movie. It's, a, it's, a, it's, like it's a the movie. kind of movie. It's the kind of movie that like makes you want to go to movies. You know, like, it's a I, I real, was like Harry. He couldn't you're so explain. Pretty. Stop talking. <laughs> Stop talking. Oh my god, he literally could not explain how, why he liked the film because he probably doesn't. And Chris Pine oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. literally dying inside while Harry Styles was talking, but. The experience in question is when they were sitting next to, or when Chris Pine was sitting down and he was like zoning out a little bit and he, and Harry Styles comes in and Harry Styles appears to spit at Chris Pine and there's video footage of the spit and um, Chris Pine looks down at his lap and freezes and then uh, Harry like smirks at him. And so there's two sides to this video and one of the sides says that he's spitting on him, and another side says that he's not. 
I don't think he did because I don't think Harry's an idiot. I feel like that's a little. I insane. don't think. I, I don't didn't even think know that he, that was a theory. Also, I feel like I feel like he might have done it on accident. And Chris Chris Pine is just a very animated person. You know what he's thinking at all times because he's like. Like, I did love seeing him on the carpet. I, I did see those pictures. I don't know all the His details. His luscious hair. But I love seeing him on the carpet taking pictures of uh, Florence. I thought that that was really endearing and sweet. Also, the class. The fucking class that Florence Pugh holds. Oh, my God. I would class. be a petty bitch. The class that she I comes in. She I would not even shown up. No, I would have. The thing that she, she was so graceful and kind. And there was a smile on her face. And she's still filming Dune in Budapest right now. Like, she, she is. She she left, she came, and she was so kind and respectful. And I also feel like Nick Kroll was a very comforting yes. person. Yes, Nick for her Kroll to be gave peacemaker. Nick Kroll gave Nick Kroll Switzerland gave peacemaker. He Even though Switzerland so, wasn't at all a peacemaker, but you know what? He was iconic, and <laughs> okay, yeah. also I just um, yeah. I love Chris Kroll. But do you want to know something? Um, even weirder was that after the movie premiered, I think this was like when the film ended and everyone was applauding it. Harry Styles grabbed Nick Kroll's face and kissed uh, him on the lips. Yeah, wait, wait. wait. He was pulling a bad bunny. He's like, no more, no, no more, more queer, queer baiting. baiting. <laughs> I'm done queer baiting. Just so everyone knows, I might not be bad bunny, but I am gonna kiss a man. And I think, wait, I think Nick Kroll was just down for the shits. But I was like, I am confused though that like Olivia and Harry didn't interact after these like I think they didn't want to came out. They they're didn't want to I don't it. think Harry and, did. I don't think well, Harry did. Do you think they're it. still dating though? Because what, yeah, I, I, what I, was I, it? Rolling Stone the no, Vanity Fair? I think it's explosive. I think I don't think Harry knew the real situation with Flopo and Shia. I don't think he knew the team. And I think when he saw that Shia got the evidence, I think <gasps> that was a big thing for him. Oh, you're also, so right. Apparently everybody in the film is like kind of trash and the writing serves no one in the film except Flopo and of course she's like the best part ever anyway but this really this drama says a lot for award season because the only way to like this type of film um for it to make it that far or for it to for them to be recognized which someone like Florence could be is you have to love the film and you have to be able to stand up and you know be proud of it and none of these people are it seems like none of them are happy about it so I don't think it has any chance of getting any real recognition for that reason. I wonder if Flo actually enjoyed like her character and the movie itself, but then hasn't been able to enjoy any of the work that she put into well, it because of the debauchery that happened. Sure. After. But that woman is just so talented. Right. But I, there was a TikTok coming out of like a PA on set talking about mm. like a year ago during filming how like Florence Pugh, she directed some of the scenes because Olivia Wilde wasn't doing her job. That's what I heard. And Florence Pugh had to pick up so many of the pieces. And when you're filming a movie with such intensity and it's and it's supposed to be this feminist piece, and I put in quote quotations, that's that's a heavy weight to carry on your shoulders. And also with everything happening with a director that's not being supportive, not making the environment comfortable whatsoever, that's hard to be support. Like, you can't do that. The thing is, all publicity... It's good publicity. Harry stands are still going to see this film. And you know what? I am too. So I am we'll too. I'm honestly excited. To watch this film. I'm excited. But let's get into the topic of today. So it's funny because when I like, I don't know how this, the episode topic came up today, but it's wild because I had a dream last night. The infamous that dream. That cor- corresponds to what we're talking about today. And it was a really weird dream. It was one of those dreams, like a weird thing happened in the dream. But I Googled that really weird thing. And the shit that I found on the internet about my dream and how insanely, like, um, parallel it is to my experience and, like, what I'm living, but also, like, this episode is wild. And I just had to share it with you guys. Okay. And this is not a joke. You guys tell the audience you've never heard this dream. No, no. no she, I'm at the edge of my seat. You wait, told us you had a wild dream. Yeah, she said I have a wild dream. And I said, okay, tell us. She said, no, I'm not. I'm waiting until we <laughs> record to tell you. Wait, J- Josie, what is it? Okay, so in my dream, I was asleep. And I got a text from my manager, Priya. Shout out, Priya. Love Priya. In my dream, I sent her a photo of my living room, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. And she said, in the corner of the picture, I can see that you left the gas on. Nope. The stove. Nope. Nope. And there's like all the burners are on. And so in my dream, I woke up still in a dream, 
looked and saw that all the burners were on the stove, like on. Okay. Then I woke up in real life and saw that she was texting me about something completely different. But I was like, that's a really weird dream to have. Um, but also what a coincidence that she texted me, but that wasn't even the weirdest thing that happened. Cause I feel like a lot of people have dreams of people texting them because yeah. they like maybe subconsciously see it, whatever. So yeah. I disregarded that, but I was like, that dream was weird. Right. So I looked it up online and I started reading article after article of what does it mean when you dream about like a stove being on, like burners being on. Oh my God. And let me read you what one of the articles said. Okay. And you can look this up and it, no, I it's believe all about you. I believe stuff. you. Okay, ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are afraid of losing your companion and ending up alone. Being very proud and haughty, 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 you would find it very challenging to acknowledge the situation. If you are single, dreaming about leaving the stove on means that you lack self-esteem when it concerns seduction. You don't dare to take the first step. Dreaming about leaving the stove on proves that you are afraid of rejection. You prefer to play indifferent and take control of the situation. Yet your magnificence is no more to be established. Josie? Strict, strict, timid, and sensible, you find it rough to let go. You may miss out on a fantastic encounter if you remain and reject. Um, Wait, can, no, 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 no. I just insane is that? The one part where I swear to God, Josie, you were reading, I don't know if you looked, Alicia and I looked at each other. Jaws dropped because you said... You crave control because of the lack of self-esteem because you're afraid to be alone. Josie. Wait, I want to know. I have goosebumps. I how, swear to God, I have goosebumps. How does that correlate with burners being on in a dream? Because wait, I think... Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is like scarily, like really specific. How, also, do you, how do you feel about it, Josie? No, Josie, how do you feel like reading that? What did it mean to you? Well, okay, so then hold on. Then I also saw another article and this is just like one short paragraph of what it said. And it said, leaving the stove on suggests your negative outlook, deteriorating thoughts, and crumbling ideals. There's a situation you're trying to avoid or hide from. Your actions will result in an unpleasant outcome. The dream um, points at your caring, supportive, and giving nature. You're shutting others out and closing off your emotions. And my castmate, like my two castmates who are two of my closest friends here, um, Amy and Aubrey were saying that like, Cause something did like something did happen like a, a few weeks ago that was like kind of a downer and they kept asking me about it. And I was like, I'm fine. Like I genuinely mm. haven't cried about it, like whatever. And so when I saw that, I was like, should I just start crying right now at four in the morning alone in my bedroom? And I was like, no, that's kind of fucking cringy. But I was like, honestly, that would be a funny story to tell. So then I found myself trying to make myself cry, which I later realized, which is even like cringier that I was like alone. You just, I can imagine you at 4 a.m. on the edge of your fucking bed, just at looking like this. <laughs> Pushing tears. Which is like insane. But you know what's crazy is that um, randomly, I got a text from Allison like while I was looking up stuff. And she was just saying, I love you. How are you? And so like yep. she kind of knew. Yep. Um, but anyway, so how do I feel about that? I feel like, wow, that's crazy that dreams are, as Sigmund Freud said, a representation of our unconscious fears and desires. Mm -hmm. And also like, damn, that's true. Like I do, I am afraid of all those things. Um, and also the podcast came into my mind and how I was so excited that today we are going to meet and talk about how to give and receive love and parentheses. <laughs> Give it um, because I think that dream ties into why that is really hard for me. And that's been something that I've had to learn. Um, so with that being said, should we should we get into it and divulge that even more? Let's absolutely let's dig into it. I'm a little scared, but more prepared. And I'm, honestly, I've been looking forward to this topic for a while since you pitched it, Josie, a couple weeks back. I've been really looking forward to this topic. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your dream. That's Thank like you. insane. Not a picture of the burn is still long. Wow, that's, I, that's I also crazy. feel like that's very vivid. Also, can I just say, also, Josie's yeah. amazing because you were like, immediately, what deeper thought does that have? I would just be like, oh, I need to check my burner. That's also something that I've been trying to work on. So with that being said, let's get into it and divulge that even more. And also, we're going to be doing an episode of Fashion Church today, which is a very iconic episode where I talk shit about the way people look in uh, paparazzi photos and what they're wearing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's just get into it. Ooh. Hey, don't forget to follow us at Dare We Say on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash dare we say. We'll be right back.
Good evening. Are you needing a safe space to learn how you can get your mind right? Tune in to Imani State of Mind. It's a weekly podcast hosted by psychiatrist and TV personality, Dr. Imani Walker and co-host comedian Meg Scoop Thomas, two smart, incredibly successful women. And they also happen to be mothers sharing their personal and professional experiences to help normalize conversations about mental health. Now, this is not your average mental health show. Each week, they break down what's happening in news, pop culture, and their very own experiences managing mental health. Together, you will laugh, keep it real, and create a space where everyone can get help with their issues. Now, nothing is off the table. Dr. Imani Walker and Meg Scoop discuss everything from relationships with yourself, your spouse, and your parents to the realities of postpartum depression and anxiety. I have personally benefited from this podcast. I listened to it on my way to work, and I think you guys will enjoy it too. Don't forget to take a deep breath, find your calm, and get into Imani's state of mind with new episodes dropping every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Dare We Say is brought to you by Apostrophe. Okay, my skin is so important to me. I, a girl's got eczema. A girl's got perioral dermatitis. Eczema. 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 I got eczema. And I just want to be able to see a certified dermatologist, a doc, to tell me what the fuck is up to help me out. And I can't be waiting nine months to see a dermo in Beverly Hills. I'm not going to. I refuse. Dermos are so hard. It's harder to see a dermo than it is to kill your ego at this point. It's like, I feel like I could fly to Puerto Rico and back and like fall in love with someone before I can see get in with a, a dermatologist, dermatologist because you know where they are. They're always on the other side of the fucking one-on-one. But with apostrophe, with apostrophe, you can see a board-certified dermatologist after filling out a quick survey about your skin. And it's just... You don't get that. You don't get that anywhere else. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. All you have to do is fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history. You guys are already selfish bitches. I'm sure you want to talk about yourself a little bit more. Might as well do it in the form of an online consultation. And um, then you snap a few selfies. I mean, that's like literally the easiest thing in the world. Okay, well, Apostrophe offers access to treatments for all types of acne. So no matter how fucked up you want, no, I'm just kidding. No matter Apostrophe how fucked off- Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Apostrophe offers access to treatments for all types of acne. So I'm not just talking about a little girl with a little bit of a pimple scar. I'm talking about any range of acne from what hormonal mean, acne to facial acne, even back chest. Dare I say butt acne? They treat breakouts from head to toe. Um... Yeah, so might as well check them out. We can't give you universal health care, but we can give you a deal. So get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash dare. When you use our code dare, that's a saving of $15. Come on. And this code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go visit apostrophe.com slash dare and click begin visit. Then use our code dare and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Five fucking Five dollars. $5 make you holla, honey. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. We love you. Crooked Media's weekly podcast, Love It or Leave It, is an insanely funny, wildly popular, critically beloved podcast hosted by comedian John Lovett. Each week, Lovett is joined by comedians, journalists, activists, elected officials, and actors to break down the latest news with humor and mock the endless frustrations and absurdities of our political nightmare factory. Past guests include Phoebe Robinson, B.J. Novak, ugh, icon, Amy Klobuchar, everyone's favorite not-lesbian heterosexual, Cal Penn, and more. As a former Obama speechwriter, comedy writer, and co-host for Pod Save America, John brings a unique combination of humor and analysis to help you understand and laugh at the fucking news. Plus, there are games, impressions, rants, shouting at cable news clips, tangents on local fast food options, and everyone's favorite, nuanced discussion. Ca- you know I love some nuanced discussion. I, I want a fucking nuanced discussion. Catch I just, up. I just want a glass of wine and a side of nuanced discussion. Is that too much to ask? Catch up on the highs and lows of the week's news and laugh along while you do it. Life's too short. New episodes of Love It or Leave It drops every Saturday morning. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. How are you guys feeling about this topic? This is- Talking about love is hard for some people, but also easy for others. Yeah. As in, maybe easier for 
certain people. As in, easier for me, harder for Alicia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Josie's right in the middle. There's like such really extremes. Yeah, you're right in the middle. Alicia. And then Yaz and I, who are the ones in the studio still in LA, are the like Opposites. strongest dichotomy of this topic. It's um, I I'll be honest, like. I am timid to talk about love. Mm. And man, if you know anything about me, your girl can talk. But there are some topics that I definitely have difficulty discussing. And one of them is love. Like, I don't enjoy talking about love. But it's also, like, very <laughs> ironic because I always want to lead in love. And I hope to, like, embody love and bring joy and light into people's life. But when we talk about, like, my preferences when it comes to love or, like, my attachment style and things like that, I really, really struggle. Like, I struggle to articulate what yeah. I need and what love means to me on a personal level. So I, you know, being candid to talk about mm -hmm. this topic today definitely won't be the easiest, but I think that's why I need to lean into it. Mm. Like, sometimes How do you feel about love in general? I know that's a broad question, Yasmeen. Which one is easier for you guys, giving or receiving? Yeah, I mean, I think when I think of love— I think that I, I put it in two different um, files in my brain. I have familial, platonic, and I have romantic. And how I give and receive is very different. For me, I'm a very mm. physical person. Affection is huge for me. Physical affirmation. I, I don't even need someone to tell me how much they mean, how much I mean to them. I need someone to just hold me, to just like touch my arm and say, not even say anything, but just know that. For me to know that you're there for me. It's like the reassurance. The, the reassurance. And it's I think it's because like growing up, like I was sleeping next to my parents and siblings for a long, like at like an, a weird age. Mm -hmm. Like literally even at this age, when I'm at home, like sometimes when I'm having a shit night, I will cuddle up next to my parents Yeah. at 24 years old. Yeah. And like that's not a weird thing, but I think it's so prevalent of of who I am and how I give and receive. But a lot of times people aren't physical. Mm -hmm. a and then I'm like, do they not love me? Do they not do they not care for me? But everyone like Alicia is not a very she's a touching person, but she doesn't know how to for me no, sometimes yeah. show it. Yeah. And then I'm like, does she love me? But she gives love in a different way yeah. than I receive. Well, I think that's a testament to just like us all needing like different forms of love yeah and we prioritize different things like I think for you it's definitely like words of affirmation and physical touch you just said not words of affirmation what words of affirmation aren't mine it's it's just physical no, touch no. and like I would say like for you it's both sure. because I'll be honest like living with you I would have the reassurance or I would give you the reassurance of physically being with you from sun up to sundown and then you would look me in the face and be like I need you to tell me you love me and I'm like girl what I've done everything with you. I've had every meal. I've yeah. done everything. But that that's fine because you need different things. And it's also like, it's a conversation. Sometimes someone loving you is beautiful, but it's not enough because like we all have different it's not requirements. Enough. It's not enough. Like, you need to love yourself in order to get and give love. Period. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Alicia, how do you give and receive love? Um, honestly, giving love, it comes natural to me. I think that that is just like, how I live my life. Like, I, I want to serve people. I want to be a servant. I want to be a light. And I want to bring joy to people. Yeah. So appeasing people is very easy for me. Mm. But I've learned that that's not sustainable. Like, you can't give from an empty well. No. And I've had to learn that you also can't love people to the fullest if you don't love yourself. If you don't show up for yourself. And these are lessons that I'm still learning. And honestly, it's a funny question. Like, oh, how do I receive love? I think I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that yeah. also that's a continuous journey throughout your entire life. I think different phases and seasons in your life require different things. But right now, um, I think I receive love by like the time and the memories that I make with people. Which like I've had the beautiful blessing of doing with you, Josie, and doing with you, Yaz. Um, but receiving is still really hard for me. And I, I still am learning how to like articulate that like there, it's okay for me to have needs. And... Hmm. Yeah, so I'm still very much on that journey. And honestly, I don't know how I'm doing in regards to, like, receiving love. But I know that, man, do I, I know how to live in love. Because yeah. that is honestly, like, not to be cliche, that is my goal in life. It's to, like, leave everything that I come to better than I came to it. Yeah. And that is just, like, 
being the embodiment of love. Whether I agree with someone or not, just trying to strive for that to be the foundation of everything. Okay, Josie. Yeah. So, so for me, okay, in broad terms, when I see the sentence giving and receiving love, yeah. for me, romantic love is something that I've always been very scared of. And mm. I don't think I realized how scared I was until I started pl- playing in the game of it, like enlisting myself in the yeah. military that is the dating game and that is love because <laughs> that is the hunger game it's the hunger games. Lot, it's literally the hunger games here i think for a lot of people like giving is easier on surface right because sure. when you're giving you are in control mm-hmm. of it you are in control of how much you're giving and, and you dictate how invested you are you dictate how yeah exactly you have control you dictate how invested you are and you also understand you reap the benefits of that all the time. Like there's no chance of of giving love that like you're not reaping the benefits of unless it's not being reciprocated. Sure. Um, but then that has to do with receiving, right? So I'm just talking about giving, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. If, unless you're self-sabotaging and you're giving it to someone who doesn't deserve it, giving is always going to be easier. Which is a common thing, which is so Which is a common, oh, 100%. Common. So then when we talk about why is it so hard to receive, I think it's because of... Um, I think it's because of many different factors, how we're raised, how we're taught that yeah. love should be given, what our attachment style is, how our parents gave us love, Absolutely. but also like how we know how to love ourselves. And I think the way that my dream reflected so beautifully and read me to fucking fell. Yeah, literally. Is how scared I am to receive love and how fearful I am of rejection. I'm frightened. I, yeah. a lot of my life, I live in fear for many different reasons. Um, But I think when it comes to love, I think I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of losing my safety net, my emotional and physical safety net. And I think that has inhibited me and prohibited me from seeking out things that are actually healthy for me. And by being in a healthy romantic relationship or from having those experiences that are beneficial for me because of how scared I am. Yeah. And I was reading today this essay about self-actualization, which I sent to Yasmin, mm-hmm. the scholarly article, and how self-actualization is basically this theory um, that was created by another man, but it was like extrapolated. Damn, why did I say that word? Um, it was a, such a pick me word to say extrapolated. Oh, um, that's kind you of know, iconic. Pick me vocabulary. There should be a pick me dictionary and that word would be in it. But like he extrapolated on it, elaborated on it. His name is like Maslow. And this guy, the psychologist Maslow or the philosophical psychologist Please. elaborated on this idea that self-actualization is realizing one's full fulfillment mm. um, and full potential. And the only way to do that is by establishing or rather knocking down the incongruence between one's desires and their actions. Mm. And the only way to do that is by killing your defense mechanisms from achieving yeah. what you want. Wow. And my biggest defense mechanism, I think, is is fear and is fear of rejection. Mm. Anyway, to answer my own question, that's why I do think giving is easier. Because in giving, I have control. Um, but Absolutely. in your guys' lives, like, how do you feel like love has been the most meaningful mm. for you Mass, or like what type yeah, of love has been the most meaningful for you or you've experienced I, love, say, I really love that buddhist principle that like you presented like the, this idea of us like finding like the darkest and like most vulnerable parts of ourselves and actually deciding to deal with it like that introspective characteristic is really difficult to have and I think I still struggle with it. Um, and I think it's really beautiful that it is. you're like doing your own due diligence and the inner work and the self-work. Because that isn't easy like no. to take that journey. Um, but can, can, love that's more meaningful. I don't want to be like this, oh, a theater bitch. But a great theater philosopher, um, Stanislavski, he made a pyramid. And in order to be the best form of performer and best form of person, you have to work on oneself. Mm-hmm. And that's all of your inner workings. Mm-hmm. And you just having that article, Josie, and sending it to me. And it's only a couple pages. But those taking that time of really investing in what am I afraid of? How can I be better? And how can I authentically, wholeheartedly love myself and love mm. all the flaws and love all the fear mm. and dance with the chaos? 
I feel like that leads you to giving and receiving love in a healthy way. Yeah. And it's like that saying like, the best love is self-love. But I think I'm having like a revolution as we talk. Go on. My, the love that I love least is my self-love. Oh. Mm. <laughs> like, if I, had a, if I had a pyramid, no, actually. That shit would be on the bottom. That shit would, no, actually, you guys know how I feel about romantic love. So actually, yeah. self-love and romantic love are in a dark place for me. Mm. I would try to run away from that for a really long time. And mind you, like, I know how important it is. Like, in the words of our mother, RuPaul, how to heal you That was won't. really good. Thank you so much. I watch a lot of drag mm-hmm. race. Um, how to heal you Wow, she's love. such an ally. Ally. Fuck the both, y'all. <laughs> say hi to, say <laughs> hi to <laughs> Valentina. Ally. Uh. Pero. I'm trying to quote one of the greatest philosophers of our time, RuPaul. Oh. How the hell are you going to love somebody else if you can't love yourself? Can so I, I get an amen up in here? Amen. amen. So, I know how important it is, but it's probably, I struggle with it so much. Yeah. Just like loving myself like holistically because I love other people way more than I love myself. Mm. Why do you think that is though? I guess the answer that I can muster up is because I think I was like in a state of survival with my family for a very long time. Yeah. That's just not something that you have the privilege to discuss a lot. It's like, Mm. how are we loving ourselves and self-care? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I'm being completely honest. Did you meditate this morning? Like did you journal? Like, Like I, you know, I've said it before. I really thank God for my spirituality and like, the fact that I've always prioritized having a relationship with something bigger than me and that being the Lord and having these principles that would guide me and, um, you know, being like a servant to people is really important to me. But I think that that lesson kind of got a little distorted when I was a kid. And it like I forgot the part where my body is a temple and I'm supposed to preserve myself as well. Because yeah. that's also scripture, right? But I think I kind of just listened to like, just serve other people and love other people. And then I think that that also... I would be remiss to not acknowledge that the way that I have difficulty loving myself is the way that I have difficulty loving people in a romantic way. Ah. Because I am super, super loving and profusely affectionate with my friends and with my family. Yeah. People know they are the center of my life. You guys know. Like, I can tell you guys every second of the day, I adore you. My family is my yeah. everything. Like, I'm a, I'm an auntie. I'm a godmother. And I take that so seriously. But romantic love, I was naive in the past and I learned that it was rude because I would invalidate other people's experiences and their truths because I was like, who the hell needs romantic love? Like I spent most of my life being Mm. like, you don't need that. And I would tell other people that they don't need that, which was so rude. You know what I mean? It's not rude. I don't think it's rude. But that was my truth at the time. And now- I also think you said that out of spite because- Yeah. I think you probably had a distorted view of like what that is. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure, for sure. And I think that- that was probably your defense mechanism was being like, why is this necessary? Why why does this yeah. need to happen? And, and like you were ignoring like your own Yeah, and I still your own needs. Yeah, no, I think I think you're so right. And I think still to this day, romantic love isn't the biggest priority for me, but I've learned that like if I want to explore that, I deserve that. Whereas before I was just like, I don't have space for it. And also I've thank God grown in maturity and I can't look other people in the face who are saying like, I yearn for a relationship and tell them that they don't need that because that's invalidating. Yeah. But that leads me like to a question. What are the differences in the way that you guys conceptualize romantic and familial and like platonic love? And right now, which one is most important to you? Because that can change as well. I feel… Did that question make sense? Yes. No, it made so sense. Okay. I think you guys, when you say you, you have such a hard time with romantic love, I resonate with that, but for such a different reason. I know both of you guys are going to be like, yes. I I invest everything so quickly. Yeah, we're pulling I, I've literally met a guy one night and I've texted Josie and Alicia separately and was like, yeah, I just found the love of my life. After like meeting him for an hour and I'm like, yeah, this is the one. And I, <laughs> I and see, I'm so sorry. At first, I'd be so blunt with you and I'm like, you don't know that man. Stop talking like that. Which I don't. And I, but for me… And so much, I used to just laugh it off. I used to be like, that's so funny. Oh my God, Yaz. Like, haha. But I started thinking, and I think this was after recently. Josie, you and I got off a call and you were you asked me. You posed the question and you came at it with curiosity, not criticism. And you said, why do you invest and put all of your love in someone so quickly when they haven't earned that place in your life yet? And also... 
where's that energy with yourself? And I kind of just sat there and I'm like, I, and I, I always have something to say. And I remember I told you, Joe's, I was like, I don't have anything to say back to you. I don't have a reply mm. for that. I don't. And I also think, I think for me, it's, I just want to be loved. Don't we all though? Yeah. Don't we all just want? Yeah, but, but why do you think you crave so much of that? Like, why do you think you crave so much like affection and validation? And not just romantic love, love, but like, from- like in like, overzealous, like it's love bombing, extreme emotional. It's it's very intimate, very quickly with a lot of the people I I end up with. And whoever was in that hotel that night. (laughs) I cannot. Um, Where was in that fucking Marriott? It wasn't a Marriott. Um, You're like, it was a Hilton. It was a Best Western. It was a a Motel 8. I'm kidding. Hotel sponsor. It was an embassy suite. Please. It was the Four Seasons, the SLS in Beverly Hills. No, it wasn't. Um, I think it's love bombing. And I think it's because I just want to feel loved and cared about. Because I have been let down time and time again romantically. Wait, you just said such a good trigger word. Love bombing. That have you is, guys ever love bombed slash been love bombed uh, hmm. in every relationship I've been in? I also want to say, like, I think it's amazing that our generation has been given vernacular to empower us and to help us understand situations, especially traumatizing ones. But it, it scares me that we throw around terms like gaslighting and love bombing and then misconstrued it no, into I, different things. But to answer your I question, yes, I have been love bombed. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I think like us as stewards uh, uh, of a platform. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I do this think- means like I've been love bombed. I've been real bombed. <laughs> yeah. My family's in love and all. <laughs> I can't. I have. That. Josie, have you been love bombed slash do you love bomb? Have you? No, I've, I've never love bombed anyone and I've never been love bombed in a romantic way. I think I may have love bombed in a platonic way. That but exists. I want, but wait, but Alicia. Do you want fin- me to uh, expand finish. on that? Yeah. Yes. I think I was love bombed. And ironically... Mm. <laughs> On one of our dates, I was like, are you love bombing? Because this man barely knew me. And I don't think that I know everything by any means. I'm young. I have a lot to learn. But I think I'm a pretty perceptive girl. And this person was talking about like visiting my country and meeting my family and wanting to get to know my friends better. Um, and this is like one of the first times I spent alone with this person. And I was like, you are a beautiful soul. I enjoy your energy. Yeah. But I was like, you do not know me. And you also I said, don't mean that. I you said those words it. verbatim. I was like, and if you do mean it, it's on a surface level. Yeah. I think a lot of people are too busy looking for love rather and looking for the right person rather than being the right person <gasps> for themselves. Wait, let's take a second. for Let's say that exactly you know again. what I mean I think a lot of people go on are too worried looking for the right person rather mm. than being the right person for themselves that. and also I think a lot of people are infatuated with the idea of love rather than what love actually we, means we romanticize okay, wait wait you but just yes, said a lot of things yes I did say a lot of things but anyways to answer your question because I know that I can like it train uh, my accent was gonna come out no no no. I love all the things you said yes but I but I want to ask you and like oh, I know this answer but maybe it helped the audience know this answer like when you were going through that I remember you you saying you said this sentence every fucking day every it, single you said day. I'm this is the sentence that she said you should have gotten tattooed on your calf you said <laughs> I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah. Like you knew that it was coming. And as your friend, I felt torn because yes. on one hand, mm. I Wow. I yeah, see, let's talk about it. Yeah. On one hand, I see the things that he's doing. I see the things that he's saying. Yeah, I think that's fucking crazy that he wants to go to the Dominican Republic um, and, <laughs> and visit your like great visit your like ancestral grounds. But at the same time, here I have this friend, my one of my best friends, my life partners telling me that like she's having all these great experiences and I've never seen you like get excited about boys not that like this is the first boy that's made you excited but like certainly in our friendship because I wasn't with you when you had your first boyfriend I felt at a crossroads because as much as I wanted to be like okay yeah that's a little weird at the same time I wanted to be excited for you and I felt that like maybe your defense mechanism was saying like yes I'm waiting for the shoe to drop I'm waiting for the shoe to drop and I felt yeah, so not to make it about yes. me, but I'm no, just no, saying, no. like, in that moment, I felt that. Did no. you feel that turmoil as well? No, absolutely, because I, w- I was seeing you have that, like, 
inner dialogue, even though you weren't saying it. Yeah. I get it. All of my friends were like this. Well, first and foremost, because I understand I can turn into a beast sometimes when it comes to things I don't want to talk about. And romantic stuff is usually stuff I don't want to talk about. So all of you guys were like this, like this the whole time. Like, we don't know what we can say to her, which makes me sad. I want people to be able to say whatever they want. But I understand that like on this topic, I'm- But there are boundaries and you have- Yeah, yeah, there are boundaries. But anyways, to answer your question, I could see how a lot of the time you were like, I just want her to like finally let go. Because when it comes to men, like I am not- trusting. I don't want to give them an opportunity. I like doing my own thing. So I saw you being like, yes, be protective of your heart, but like try to enjoy it. And then the other shoe did drop. Um, But it it was funny because I like during that entire process, I was like, he's an amazing person. But I see that a lot of this seems superficial and it turned out to be, and that's okay. That's life. That's why we have experience. It's a learning experience. But it was, it was beautiful because you guys were just like, just lean into a little bit. Because I, I don't I don't ever want to give men energy. But I did. I could see like Josie as my best friend being like, just give it a chance. Because I think a part of my defense mechanism is just not even engaging in romantic love, which isn't healthy either. Well, you. that leads me to, you brought up something very, that leads me to vulnerability. And I asked both of you, I posed this question of, do you feel like you guys are vulnerable people? How do you give vulnerability? Alicia is like smirking. Fuck off, please. And she's also, not vulnerable. And why does and why does vulnerability scare you? If it does, Josie. Here's one thing about me: vulnerability for me, in so many ways, is something that I do all the time. It's something that I'm forced to do mm-hmm. because I'm literally a trans person yep. who mm-hmm. transitioned in front public of so eye, many people yeah. in front of the public eye and i i have to be vulnerable 100%. because if i'm not vulnerable who the fuck else is going to be mm. i didn't have so many people to look up to growing up yeah. to like still now i'm like now that i'm like starting dating and all these things i'm like there's no guidebook i was saying to like some of my cast the other day they're like oh what when what, at what point do you usually say this and that about yourself and i'm like I don't fucking know. Like, there's no textbook on this. There's no person that I could, like, ask about this. There's no TV show of someone doing this. Like, I feel like I'm living such uncharted territory. So vulnerability for me is something that I'm so often forced to do mm-hmm. when it can help other people. Yeah. But I've realized recently that when vulnerability is hard for me, it's when it's it's in pursuit of something that's that is supposed to benefit me, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And yes, it does. I guess I mean that vulnerability and romantic love is hard for me because that is something that I have to do for myself as opposed to like I can't I can gain strength by knowing that like, yes, I might feel uncomfortable about posting something about being trans on Instagram because this boy or that person or this would see it. Like, I'm sorry. That is something that comes in my head sometimes because I'm not a fully self-actualized person, Mr. fucking Maslow. Um, (laughs) But I do it because I have the strength by all the people that look up to me. Yeah. And so when it comes to, I have no strength for when it comes to doing it for myself, when it comes to like dating and that kind of thing. So that's when vulnerability becomes very hard for me. I know that was a very long-winded way of saying it. And and I think that goes back to what you said. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And B, I think that goes exactly back to what you said in the beginning, that you are so much better or more um, inclined, inclined to do something to give, for other people. But not receive. Yeah, because I, I feel think that goes way. exactly back to that. Yeah. But I think it's also important to note that like you're forced into vulnerability sometimes. Yeah. And that isn't fair. Nope. Mm. Like as much as I'm on a journey to be more vulnerable, because if you haven't caught wind by now, I'm not a vulnerable person. I think I'm very kind. But vulnerability is something I struggle with mm-hmm. um, greatly. And the girls know. But their friendship uh, directly in my life has made me more vulnerable. And I'm learning that it's okay for people to know things about me. Yeah, Not because I think I'm self-important. It's a toxic trait. I don't like people knowing things about me. But I think it's just because I'm a private that's person. That's not toxic but anyways, though. But I don't going, think that's toxic. Going back to that. No. I think it's also important to know as we talk about this journey about vulnerability and stuff. Go at a pace that makes you feel comfortable. Don't force things. To make other people happy. So yes, be vulnerable. Yes, grow. Yes, be willing to actually have beautiful, loving connections, platonic or romantic with people. But it's like we also shouldn't like force ourselves to conform to other people's idea of love. So thank you for sharing that, Josie. Seriously. Thank you, baby. And you are on uncharted territories. Yeah. What's yours? Mine? Yeah. Oh, I thought I said it. Oh, yeah, you didn't answer. 
No, you talked about how it was hard for you to talk yeah. about. I did answer. I said I'm on a journey and I think that I'm getting better at it. And like y'all's friendship has made me more inclined to be vulnerable. But like, I don't like people knowing things about me. And it's not in like a narcissistic manner. And you've always been that way. I've She's always, always been. That been. Josie's like, here's you've my time. Yes, go. You've yes. always been the person to like not say things about you or like I'd find out like, you know, I think that was something that was hard in our friendship. Mm. Was that like, and you can stop me for saying this, but no, like, please. we would hang out for weeks every day, spend every minute together. And I would find out that something bad had happened in your life or something weird had happened in your life. Like that happened months ago. And I didn't know that I could be there for you. And I think for a lot of times that can be difficult because like, I think everyone just wants to love you and be there for you. But like, you're not being vulnerable makes that hard sometimes. And, but more so for yourself. And like, what do you think it is the main reason why you aren't vulnerable or like with the people around you? I just want to point out one thing that when you said we just want to love you, Josie, Alicia literally just like cracked a smile and I almost thought you were going to start tearing up a bit. That was beautiful. And I mean that to Alicia, like we just, we love you. We want you... We want you to just be happy. I know. Um, thank you. That meant a lot. Um, I'm I'm not good at being vulnerable. I don't like crying. It's a very toxic trait. And I think I don't like getting my hopes up because people can't let me down. And I feel like showing people vulnerable parts of myself and letting people into my life in an intimate manner allows them to take stake in my life. And that mm. means that I depend on them. And I am hyper-independent and I don't like depending on people. And I don't even fully understand why. I think it's because it's like I've been hurt in the past and I've experienced like um, obviously hurtful things we all have. And I think that it's easier to just not be vulnerable and have people not know things. And that's why I like my intimate circle. Like I love learning about people. I will talk to a random person for seven hours. But to talk about myself is difficult. And also like it's just easier. It's easier for people to know me from a distance and it's easier for me to play characters and perform and live in my passion without people knowing me in an intimate manner. Um, Because also like... It's a survival mechanism. It's also just like, I think think I've gotten pretty callous about vulnerable things in my life because of past experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because of... Yeah. um, Because of just in ways that people have left or people have hurt or people have disregarded mm. my feelings. So it's a lot easier um, for me to keep things close to the chest. But I think I'm definitely on a journey to still be vulnerable. I think I will leave this earth being super private about certain things. And, but, that's, um, and that's your right. But no, I, I thank you guys. You guys, you guys, wanna... you guys challenge me and like hold me accountable and make me like feel okay to feel soft. And also like if I'm being honest as well, I think like growing up as of being a part of my community like you were told that you're not supposed to talk about certain things and Mm. that you aren't supposed to be vulnerable and I think specifically like you know um as as a black woman like we're not given Mm. the space to be soft and Mm. I think softness doesn't come easy to me sometimes so um yeah I I want to thank you for your candor and for your honesty because what you did right now like I'm so fucking proud of you um, for even just saying that. But like, more importantly, I want you to know that like, it isn't your fault. Yeah. And it's not mine either. And it's not Yasmin's. It's not anyone listening to this. Like, our fear of being vulnerable, our bad relationship with vulnerability and receiving love and accepting it and maybe having a hard time giving it is not our fault. Like, we are put on this earth and we are dealt cards and some are harder than others. And we recognize that. And we recognize the levels in that. But I think the only way to get through and to evolve is to accept that, like, you know, we're, we're not the cause for this. And we shouldn't be blaming ourselves and by inflicting pain on ourselves for the circumstances that we've been put in that have allowed us or disallowed us to, to be authentic in certain ways and to be vulnerable in certain ways it's not fair. And like, we deserve to be upset about that. Yeah. And I don't want you to ever feel burdened by that. And I know that you probably do. And I want you to know that like it, my wane for you, my love for you never wanes 
because of that. Yeah. And it never has and it never will. And I think I can speak for all of us in some ways because I know you guys so well, but I'll just speak for myself so no one comes for me. (laughs) There were so many times in my life where I didn't know that happiness or like contentness was a real thing. I think I viewed it, I think I still sort of view it as something that comes never Mm. or, you know, after death. And I thought for a long time that I would never be able to enjoy anything or feel happiness or feel warm in my heart. And in so many ways that has changed. And in so many ways, I've felt so much gratitude. I felt so much more comfortable in my skin. I felt like I've been able to receive love like none other now more than ever. And I want to give people the hope that like, even by taking small steps of receiving love and whatever that means to you on the smallest level of of someone giving you a compliment and you not shrugging it off and just saying thank you or someone telling you something about yourself and just wholeheartedly receiving it and knowing that like it will get better because I think for a lot of us, we didn't think that could happen and we thought that life would just stop, but it hasn't stopped and it's not going to. With the ever-changing stratosphere that is social media, celebrity fashion moments have transcended off the carpet and onto the streets. Thanks to godsends like Dumois and the Holy Bible that is Daily Mail, we get to see all these moments and decide for ourselves if they're meant for heaven or hell. Welcome to service. This is Fashion Church. All right, you guys, so we are going to look at the kaleidoscope of a journey that is Ben Affleck's fashion life. We are going to decide through each photo if each individual outfit should go to heaven or hell. All right, which first one do we have up? And by the way, I have not seen any of these photos. This is like my first reaction to all of this. Okay, so right now we have Ben Affleck outside of what looks like a New York home. I mean, I could be wrong. He's wearing a blue, ocean blue sweater, long sleeves. It this look it looks like a catalog off of like Gap circa 2008, um, like just before the housing crisis. Um, he's also wearing some navy blue jeans that like at first glance look like like slightly wet, like they were taking out of the dryer just like a little too soon. Um, this is an outfit that I would rate maybe a three out of 10. I've seen my dad wear better outfits in this. His, the face in this image is like, truly it's what makes it, what's what makes the photo. It, it looks as if he's just like released a, a large shit that has just exited his rectum, but every inch that it was like leaving, it like was scraping the sides of his asshole. And there's a cigarette in his hand, of course, which maybe this is that's just the feeling he gets when he smokes cigarettes. So, okay, next three out of 10. This is a sin. Okay, so we have Mr. Affleck again, but this time with an iced coffee. I'm going to assume that his order is like an iced Americano or like just like an iced black coffee. He has a copy of The New York Times. He's in a greenish shirt that honestly is not the worst. It says motel on it. It's like it's like a like a cute booger green and then. Then he's wearing like some sort of cargo pant and a ball cap um, with some signage on it. This one is a little bit better. I'd say it would give it like a five or six out of 10. The way he has this like cigarette, very Ansel Elgordy, like in the side of his mouth um, in that like the can- the film about um, Shailene Woodley and um, them having cancer. Uh, this one's a little bit better, I have to say. There's something so sexy about him not needing to hold up that cigarette and just like his poor teeth doing it. I will say the way he is gripping that newspaper strikes immediate concern. It, it is like a, he has a harsh grip on that stack of paper. So I guess five out of 10. I don't think this is a sin. I think he's going to heaven. He looks he looks sweet here. This isn't like old man core. This is a little bit nicer. Okay. Now this photo is a little bit 
truly, it's it's concerning. It looks like Ben is drinking like what what seems to be a Budweiser as he's holding a little nub of a cigarette with a V neckline sweater. I don't know what's more concerning: the fact that his hair looks like that of a '80s serial killer, or that I could literally like take a nap on his beard. It's like a it's like a carpet, like a giant wool carpet. His overall look in general, I think, is is hellish. It's truly hellish. This is a three out of ten. Send him to hell. Okay. Now this is like this is a moment. He is in a sort of sports tee, like a fake sports tee with the number 99 on the back of it. He has a Merce and he's, well, this is really interesting. He's smoking a cigarette through a mask, like a COVID mask. So it's like this photo gives like anti-COVID pro-cancer. And for that, I am sending it to hell. Oh, this looks like a still from a movie that he's done. He's in like suspenders and like these weird yellow trousers. Um, Somehow this is the best photo he's ever been in. He looks like he would be saying some sort of line like, giddy up princess. And I think that's hot and that's attractive. The tie is like green and black and his hair is like swift to the side, like, like a young real estate broker just waiting to cheat on his second wife. I think this is a seven out of 10. It's going to heaven. Okay, so now here Ben is with what looks like a Republican dad's vape. It's like one of those really big, thick vapes and if uh, like a leather jacket with a purple cardigan underneath. This is a sad look for him. It's not great. I don't know if it's just the fact that like the vape is so dated or like somebody get this man like a like what a kids use these days. I mean, I guess jewels are banned, but like a, I don't know, like a something a little bit sexier than like it looks like there's like meth juice in there. I'm, it's like a tube. Uh, but as far as the outfit, yeah, a four out of 10. He's going to hell. This isn't, this is a gross outfit. Oh, wow. Okay. So here we have Ben with his hair all the way gelled back. Um, he's wearing a t-shirt that has some signage on it. It says, have you seen the wizard question mark? And then there's like a photo of a, of a dirty man on it. And then he's also like holding an empty Gatorade bottle again with a cigarette in his mouth. This is a really strange moment for him. I honestly do like how tight the shirt is though, because it does showcase his dazzles, dad muscles. And yeah, it's not the worst, but he gives Stuart little vibes here. Just like a little, little fucking rat. This is weirdly like an eight out of 10. The shirt's hot. Uh, he should just like fix his hair. All right, you guys, that was service for today. I'm really happy that we could look through the life of Ben and looks. You know, some some sins, definitely some blessings were in there. But either way, that concludes the moment. And uh, peace be with you. I love you guys. That was harder you. than I thought it was going to be. But why it did, also was therapeutic as fuck. And why was I on the verge of crying the whole time? I know, Josie. I constantly feel your love wherever I go. And I can't thank you enough. And also, if you're hearing this, tell your community and your family or whoever it is and yourself, God damn it, I love you. Yeah. It's scary to love, guys. I literally was squirming in my She didn't want to do this episode. She was like, fuck <laughs> this episode. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I low-key was squirming in my seat. Like, my hands are sweating. My hands have never sweated in their lives. But, um, yeah, just wow. love yourself, even if it's scary. And love the people around you and lean into it on this burning-ass trash of a planet that humans and corporations are ruining. Be a little love. We love you guys. And I feel better after talking about this and I hope us talking about this encourages you guys to just talk more about it because when you talk about it it becomes less scarier anyway father son in the name of holy Gwyneth Paltrow Yasmin if you're hearing this I love you and fuck Marjorie Taylor Greene rate our podcast five stars and follow dare we say on Instagram because you're hot if you do so yeah amazing thank you so much for listening Dare We Say is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our showrunner, producer, and mommy. And Ari Schwartz is our producer and show daddy. 
Fiona Pastana is our associate producer, and Sandy Gerard is the almighty executive producer. It's hosted and produced by me, Josie Toda. And me, Yasmin Hamidi. And me, Alicia Pascual Peña. Vasilis Fotopoulos and Charlotte Landis, they are both our engineers. Brian Vasquez is our editor and theme music composer. Our video producers are Mac DeGroote, Narm Melconian, and Delon Villanueva, and Mia Kelman. Lastly, thank you to Jordan Silver, Gabriella Leverett, Jesse McLean, Caroline Haywood, Shayna Hortzman, Daisy Cruz, Danielle Jensen, and Awa Okalati for marketing the show and making us look so damn good. 